Hi, One Goal community. It's Elaine Boyd, Pelotonia's Event and Volunteer Operations Coordinator. Since 2008, Pelotonia has raised over $236 million for innovative cancer research. And thanks to our partners, 100% of those funds have gone directly to research at the James at Ohio State. Together, we will see an end to cancer. To get involved in our one goal, visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org, or click on the link in the episode notes. This podcast is powered by Pelotonia. To learn more about our goal 10 cancer, visit pelotonia.org or see the link in the show notes. I remember someone saying, every morning you wake up, the point in which you remember you had cancer gets longer and longer. Because in the trenches, that was the first thing you thought of when you woke up in the mornings. And now sometimes it is later in the morning, but I still think about it every day. And I still think about that moment. Welcome to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. We're a community dedicated to funding innovative cancer research through a three-day experience of cycling and volunteering. I'm your host and COO of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar. Your journey with us to the finish line begins now. Pelotonia is powered by an amazing community, and it's through research that we will see an end to cancer. We want to thank our major funding partners, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the Elbrands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. It's because of them in this dedicated community that all of this is possible. Welcome to season two of One Goal. Every day, we're privileged to hear inspiring stories from our community, and this podcast is our way of sharing some of these with you. Jill Marazon is a wife and mother of two wonderful kids. But two years after her first ride, Pelotonia became even more personal for Jill as she embarked on her own cancer journey. As you will hear in this episode, Jill has an amazing support system and wears a small reminder of that on her wrist every day. But it's more than just a bracelet, as you'll soon learn. We'll start the conversation with Jill and how she joined our community in the first place in this episode, Bracelets and Breasties. So um, I started working for L Brands and um, they're obviously a big sponsor of Pelotonia and the chair at that time, I work at Bath and Body Works and he recruited me um, and I had been known people in my life that had had cancer and you never know what to do and this was a I felt like a good avenue for me to um, participate and, and get involved and get involved in the community as well. So how many miles did you ride your first year? 25. <laughs> I rode my first two years, I did 25. 25. Have you done varying distances since then? I have. So I've done the 45. I've also done the back 45 or 50. 55. Yeah, the 55. So yeah, that was fun one year, but we only did that one year. Um, without much training, and we quickly learned that if you're going to do that back route, you're going to need to train. <laughs> you participated for a couple of years, really in honor of, of other people in your life, and then um, that changed. Everything started happening when I was about seven months pregnant with our second son found a lump on my breast and asked my doctor about it. And of course, that's pretty normal during pregnancy to, to have a lump. And um, she, we had the ultrasound done. They thought it was, you know, again, nothing, but it was a mass. So they had scheduled to do a biopsy. 
and I actually ended up in the hospital on bed rest on other pregnancy complications. And so they went ahead and um, did the biopsy in the hospital. And um, three days later, when I was sitting in my hospital room, my surgeon that had done the biopsy walked in my room um, and it was like 5.30 or six o'clock on a Friday night. And I was sitting there, it was about a week before Christmas and I was doing presents and wrapping presents because I was bored being on bed rest in the hospital. And I was like, why is he walking in this room at six o'clock on a Friday night, the week before Christmas? And I was like, this is not good. And that moment is frozen in time for me. You know, my OBGYN and my surgeon um, were talking and discussing what we should do. At that point, we just knew it was cancer. We didn't know the type or the grade or anything. And um, I was scheduled to have a C-section because of the complications I was having. So they moved up my C-section to um, two days after that. And the surgeons at the time decided just to go ahead and do a lumpectomy since I was in the hospital. And I was recovering um, from the C-section as well. They're like, you might as well just have it done. So I had my C-section on Sunday morning. And then on Monday, I had the lumpectomy. And they were actually able to turn around and have me home for Christmas Eve, Tuesday evening to be with my other son. On Christmas Eve, the extensive biopsy came back. My surgeon had called me and said, um, we got the type and it's triple negative. We did Christmas as much as we could and as much as we could celebrate for our son. We went back and forth to the NICU multiple times a day. And then the following Monday, I was at the James. So a week after my lumpectomy, I was at the James meeting with my oncologist. So you were how old when you were diagnosed? 36. So you were 36. So you were 36, seven, seven and a half months pregnant and went into the hospital for complications from your pregnancy. And two weeks later, you were at the James. Yes. Uh, and you were a, a cancer patient. Yes. You know, when I was diagnosed and I was sitting in the hospital room, my and being pregnant at the time, all I kept thinking about was my son was gonna grow up without his mom. And, you know, one of the worst things you can do when you're diagnosed with cancer is get online and do research. And I did. And if you start researching triple negative breast cancer, the stuff that you find out is not sunshines and rainbows. <laughs> um, it's not an easy type of cancer, it's very aggressive. And I just kept thinking my children are not gonna know who I am and what is this gonna be like and what is my life going to be like? Um, and I was walking in that day, we were met with a patient advocate and um, we walked into the Spielman Center, which is one of the most amazing places in the world. Um, and, you know, from the moment we met with the oncologist. It was comfortable and I felt like I was gonna be okay. We were actually going to the James for a second opinion. My oncologist plopped up on the exam table. So she was sitting there and I was sitting in the chair 
which looking back was interesting because she was making me more comfortable not wanting to like let's go into the exam and do all the medical stuff she was trying to make a relationship and build a relationship with me and she went through the treatment she went through the cancer and she looked at me and she was like you were coming for a second opinion right and I was like no I'm I'm not here for a second opinion like I'm going with you and that moment she gave me and my husband the confidence we needed. We knew that we were going to get through it and that everything at the James and um, you, you, we had the confidence that we were getting the best care. You said you had one son already at the time and then uh, your second son was born obviously during this couple week uh, really kind of wild process. Yeah. Um, how old was your, your first son? He was five. So you had a five-year-old and a newborn yes. at home and and you're starting cancer treatment. And you know, I think one of the things we've learned about your story is how amazing your husband he is, is. Yes. through this process and some of the special things he, he did for you. And would love to just hear you talk about that and what that meant to you. You know, immediately he, he started planning and what do I need to do? Um, do I need to cook differently? Do I need to, like, what does she need to eat during treatment? Um, so he would make me a juice every morning, you know, before he left for work. Every time, this was a really special thing him and my best friend Amber did for me. I had um, 16 treatments chemo treatments. I had four treatments of AC and 12 treatments of Taxol. And every appointment I went to, they arranged for somebody different to take me. And it was a friend or a family member, and I didn't know who it was before I went to treatment. So it was a surprise each time. It was a surprise each time. So it was, you know, it, it made going to treatment something to look forward to. And who's going to take me? What are we going to do afterwards? My treatments were always in the morning, so then we would go to lunch afterwards, and then I would go home and sleep. But they also arranged a charm bracelet. So everybody that came brought a charm for me, and the charm that they would pick out um, was linked to our relationship or how I knew it, them. So um, throughout my treatment, I had family members come, friends, um, old co co-workers. My current boss was there one week, um, so it was really special and something I looked forward to um, every week, which is kind of ironic that I would look forward to chemo. Um, but I did. I looked forward to seeing my surprise visitor. I looked forward to what charm I was going to get and um, thinking about why they picked that charm. I also looked forward to the nurses and the doctors at the Spielman Center. Um, they became your family and you saw them weekly. So they were part of your life. So it was, um, you know, it was 20 weeks through treatment and um, became part of our life. Who had the honor of taking you to your final treatment? <laughs> so a few of my family members um, came up and my husband. So my husband and my best friend Amber were there pretty much every treatment as well, along with my surprise guest. My final treatment, my husband um, took me, my friend Amber was there, some of my um, family and friends just showed up to, to be there as well. And um, my aunt and my cousin came up from my hometown um, to be with me. And um, 
they got me a family tree charm. So it was really special. And my husband um, got me a new piece of jewelry. So I finished treatment in June, the beginning of June, and I wanted I wanted to do Pelotonia. So do you remember sort of coming to the the start line that uh, for that 25 mile ride, which was you know the first ride you've done after you had this you know incredible personal experience? And what were what were your emotions like? What were you thinking about as you were lining up, getting ready to ride 25 miles? The past year, and I think that's why to. Um, Every year in August, I relive everything. So it's every year I have a mixed emotion of gratefulness. I'm grateful that I'm here and I can ride. I'm happy. Um, I'm proud of the community and of Pelotonia and what we put on every year. Um, some of the family that ride with us, they come from out of town and they look forward to the event every year. Um, so there's a, a moment of proud and I'm also angry that I had to go through it, um, that I had to go through it when I did. Why then? And I remember saying, I can do this any other time, but why do I have to do this now? Why does it have to take me away from my son? So your sons were five and, and you know, newborn to you know, a couple months old when, when you're going through this experience. How old are they now? Um, my oldest son is 11, and my youngest um, will be six in the end of December. So what do they remember about your experience? My older son remembers a lot. Um, I didn't know how much he would remember, and about a year ago it hit me that he remembers more than what I thought. I had just a regular doctor's appointment, I actually think it was a dentist appointment, and I said, you know, I, I was going in late to work because I had a doctor's appointment. And a few days later, he said, Mom, how was your doctor's appointment? And I was like, it was fine, buddy. It was just a dentist appointment. And, and it hit me why he was asking. And that his first memory of me going to the doctor had to do with cancer and had to do with treatments and follow-ups and scans. And it, it hit me that he really does remember. He is so mature. And I think it, it matured him going through that and helping out with it and helping out with me and his dad um, during treatments. Um, but he remembers a lot. And I, he's got a special place in his heart now when he heard, hears the word cancer. And you talked about just having an amazing group of friends and family that, that was along the journey with you. You know, have you built really a network of of friends and, and family, but you know, really people close to you that either went through the experience or people that you've met that had gone through similar experiences as you? Yeah, I would say both. Um, and I have a group of friends, we call each other the breasties. <laughs> so um, where we live and are in the community that we live in, there's a group of us um, that have all had some type of breast cancer. And we get together, we try to get together like once a month and talk. Um, I never thought I would be in a support group. Uh, and it's not the support group like I thought. You know, we have wine and appetizers and we talk about life and we talk about um, our kids and work and, you know, the world and what we're doing. And we're there for new, um, new diagnosed patients. Um, so I have that group. I also have um, a, a friend 
So a very unique, another very unique story. Um, my hairdresser had her best friend go through cancer pretty much a year before I did. She linked us up. And so being able to see Katie on the other side a year later um, definitely helped me get through my year Gave of you something to look forward to. Yes. And, and we all talk now when we get together that it, how important it is to see people at different parts of the journey. Um, seeing somebody with no hair, seeing someone with short hair, seeing someone with long hair again, um, seeing someone, you know, taking care of their kids and, and going to sports with their kids and going to work and cooking and going out with friends, like seeing those things makes you believe that it's going to be okay and you're going to be okay and you need to see that. Um, so these groups are good for that. Um, so it sounds like it's a wine club and the, the price of entry is, uh, <laughs> is cancer. Is, is cancer. <laughs> You've mentioned work and obviously you work at Bath and Body Works, which is part of L Brands and, and one of Palatania's biggest supporters, and um, which we are so grateful for. But can you talk about the experience of, of work sort of through the process of having cancer and, and yeah. how supportive they were of you and, and just that whole experience? I can't imagine a company being more supportive than what they were. And they were there, you know, through the whole thing. The uh, my entire company rallied and um, sent food and gift baskets and house cleaners and um, anything, visits, um, everything. And you have had the opportunity to lead uh, and be one of the leaders on the Bath & Body Works Peloton, which this past year raised $1.4 million, which undoubtedly that $1.4 million will lead to saving people's lives. Absolutely. And what did that mean to you, sort of being asked to, to help lead that team and, and to sort of just go through that process? Fortunate. I felt very fortunate. I felt very blessed. Um, I felt very humbled to be able to give back to a community that helped me, but also an organization that had helped me through one of the toughest parts of my life. Um, and I got to do something I'm extremely passionate about. I love Pelotonia, I love the cause, um, and I love the company I work for. So to be able to bundle all those together, it was um, you know, a year of fun for me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, our company has an amazing ability to rally against um, something and to see what we do is inspiring. One of the things I wanted to ask you is sort of how often you think back to the experience of being in the hospital and, and I tell a lot of people, um, you know, after my diagnosis, you know, I get a chance to meet a lot of people who are newly diagnosed. And it sounds kind of odd, but I always suggest to them that they take a picture of themselves while they're in the hospital. Because in, in one year or two years or three years, five years down the road, you can look back at that picture and remember sort of the depths of where you came from and, and how bad you were feeling at that point. And, and sort of, I think it helps to celebrate mm -hmm. the life you have now. And, um, do you ever do that? Do you ever think back to sort of being in the trenches? Almost every day. Um, until there is a cure, nobody's cancer goes away. Um, somebody, one of um, 
a friend that was recently diagnosed and she's like, do you ever stop worrying that it's going to come back? And I was like, no, um, until there is a cure, you're not going to stop worrying. Um, I said, it gets less heavy and you learn to push it out of your mind. I said, but it's always going to be there. Um, so until we find a cure, um, there's never going to be a stop worrying about it. I remember someone saying, every morning you wake up, the point in which you remember you had cancer gets longer and longer. Because in the trenches, that was the first thing you thought of when you woke up in the mornings. And now sometimes it is later in the morning, but I still think about it every day. And I still think about that moment, that the diagnosis moment um, of him walking in my room and me sitting on my bed. Um, it's ingrained in my head and I think it's ingrained in it so that I can realize everything that I can be grateful for now and I have been blessed to come out on the other end of it and this has been an amazing conversation so appreciate you sharing your story we actually have a charm for you to add to your bracelet um, that we wanted to give you just to thank you for sharing your story and it, it's beautiful thank you um, we're so grateful to have you to be a part of our thank community you guys. to be a leader in our community and oh my gosh um, so we just want to say thank you thank you i just want to thank jill once again for sharing her journey with us it's inspiring motivating and we hope you feel the same we are grateful for every individual who shares their time and resources to work with us to one day see an end to cancer. We want to take this moment to thank our major funding partners once again, the American Electric Power Foundation, Huntington, the L Brands Foundation, and Peggy and Richard Santulli. This is what's coming up on the next episode of One Goal. And I really won't forget when she kind of came to from her surgery, I wasn't sure how we were gonna tell her you don't have one kind of cancer, but you have two. And the first thing she said to me when she came to was, am I gonna die? And I said, well, certainly not today. You've been listening to One Goal, a podcast from Pelotonia. The first half of season two will be hosted by me, Chief Operating Officer of Pelotonia, Joe Apgar, with interview and production scheduling by our marketing and communications team duo, Emily Smith and Gabby Blauer. Produced, mixed, and sound designed at the studios of Wessler Media by Vince Tornero. Additional mastering by Joey Gerwin at Orin Judio. Special thank you to all of our guests for being so open and willing to share their amazing stories. Please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast, as that will help others hear these empowering journeys. If you're curious about joining the Pelotonia community, please see the link in the episode notes or visit pelotonia.org. That's pelotonia.org.